0: is v-sin prime time live from the circus sportsbook in downtown las vegas here is tim murray
3: we're off and running on a wednesday evening i'm here in las vegas nevada go past the legion stadium on the way to work i do every day it wasn't anything new got to see uh a couple new things perking up around uh Old Allegiant Stadium as we get set for Super Bowl 58 here in Las Vegas, Nevada. And uh, a gentleman who, uh, well, I don't know if the Super Bowl will ever come to the state that he lives in. Maybe one day, maybe the rent up there in Hartford will bring it on home. The pride of Connecticut, the one and only Will the Thrill Hill joins me here this evening. Will Hill, we sit with two teams remaining. We've still got 11 days or so to break this Super Bowl down, but I haven't gotten your initial feels on this Super Bowl as we sit here right now. Two point spread saw a little bit of movement back towards the 49ers, but since we departed the airwaves last night at nine o'clock Eastern, and we have jumped back on the airwaves 21 hours later, no movement on that side, and the total still remains at 47 and a half. So, Will, which uh, which way right now would you say you are maybe leaning? As you look towards Super Bowl 58.
4: Yeah, well, I think the worst thing when you do these shows, it's not to get a game wrong. It's to just have no opinion on a game, no feel. (laughs) And that's where I'm at with it. I'm very conflicted because, I mean, let's just talk it through. If you play this game three weeks ago, six weeks ago, nine weeks ago, 49ers are laying four, four and a half. So are you getting a discount here on the 49ers? Or do you look at it where... Hey, the Chiefs have been the better team this last month or so. The 49ers' performance has taken a dip and a big dip. They were lucky to beat Green Bay and Detroit. Terrible performances. Very lucky to get through those. Or And Kansas City, on the other hand, is playing well. So I don't know which one you weigh more, which one you take more into account with, hey, the recent performance or the season-long where San Francisco would be a big you know, three-and-a-half, four-point favorite, and you're getting this under a field goal.
3: Yeah, and, and look, I, I, I've heard it said a million times, and it will continue to be reiterated, and especially when people get to town on, uh, whether it be Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, whatever it is next week, Will, and they, you know, ascend upon this city, Radio Row, come down to Circa, I we should have a counter. Uh, maybe I'll have producer Britton put together a counter of, well, I just you can't bet against Patrick Mahomes. You know, he's 10-1-1. One, ATS one. He as a underdog. And all that that's all true. You know, and I, I'm going to sound like a broken record because that's what happens when you talk about the same game for two weeks. But when I think back and I, I look back at bits and pieces of that AFC Championship performance from the Kansas City Chiefs, I came away more impressed, Will. And this is not a knock or a slight on Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, who came out phenomenally. And, you know, Kelsey had an incredible performance. And we've got a fun little prop. Uh, that popped up today in town regarding Travis Kelsey, but I came away more impressed by the defense and Steve Spagnuolo and the way that they were, uh, you know, able to put things together. So, look, I, I I get it. It's Brock Purdy. It's Patrick Mahomes. Those two aren't in the same discussion when it comes to you know what they've accomplished and what they will continue uh, to be and how they'll be looked at. Uh, but no, I I think this is kind of this situation where. Look, I didn't bet against the Chiefs in the divisional round, but I also didn't bet on them, right? I had a Bills future, so I could have got off of it. I could have tried to middle it. I just stayed back and said, I'm comfortable where I am. So essentially, I was betting against the Chiefs there. I definitely was in on the Ravens last week. I thought they were the better team. And let's remember this, and JVT pointed this out yesterday, Will, because I got asked this on a radio interview uh, uh, yesterday. Hey, Oddsmakers don't know how to price this Chiefs team. Or the guys who have influence in the market bet on the Ravens because that thing got bet up. You know, it wasn't the market. I mean, it wasn't the odds makers setting in at four and a half. It was the market that moved it up. So while we can all, you know, sit out there and say, what dummies we were not betting on Patrick Mahomes, the people who shaped the market each and every week believe that the Baltimore Ravens were going to win last Sunday.
4: Yeah. And very rarely am I that wrong about a line movement. Cause when it was three and a half, I said, you know what? Let me get in now. Let me take the three and a half. And I've actually been on Kansas city the last couple of weeks, all three weeks in these playoffs. And I'm for whatever reason, I haven't pulled the trigger yet. I do have some NFC to win the super bowl uh, thinking along the way, Hey, San Francisco is going to get in this game. They're going to be three and a half, four point favorites. How smart am I? Except uh, we're sitting here at minus two. And I don't know that I like them. I don't know that I don't like them. Um. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I was shocked that went to five last week. I was shocked the way it moved the way it did. Now, look, if Flowers gets in and doesn't fumble at the one, doesn't get that ridiculous taunting penalty, which he completely deserved, who knows? It's, uh, it's a 17-14 game, and Baltimore certainly had their chances, certainly left points on the field. Uh, another thing that's crossed my mind here, and and you mentioned, you don't want to go against Andy Reid with time to prepare. We know his record off a bye. We know Spagnuolo, who's become one of the more underrated defensive coordinators, great track record. With the giants and now with the chiefs just incredible and mahomes and you're getting a couple of points uh that being said and and really in addition to this the the afc versus the nfc this year has just dominated i mean the 49ers really only lost four games i don't count that final rams game three of the four losses were to the afc they got beat soundly by cincy they lost to pj walker of all people i know moody missed a kick and moody might be an issue in this game Uh, And they got destroyed at home by the Ravens and the Ravens buried the lions. The bills buried the Cowboys, even the dolphins who beat nobody good all year, beat the Cowboys. So it's crossed my mind. It's possible. Maybe the AFC is just much better than the NFC. There's, there's maybe a bigger gap than we thought. I think coming into the season, we all assumed, Hey, AFC is much better than the NFC. And then you had the Cowboys, the 49ers and, and even Philly for the first half of the year, rise up and the AFC guys were getting hurt. And we kind of forgot about that gap. Maybe it's just it's sort of staring us in the face where, hey, the AFC is just a notch or a notch and a half above the NFC. Is that something that's crossed your mind? Yeah, I mean, we talked about a little bit,
3: maybe not to that exact uh, way to look at things, Will. But what we talked about on Monday's show was if you had to place a future on either the Ravens or Lions, who would you place it on? And I said the lions, and this was even before I knew Ben Johnson was coming back because of what you just pointed out that the NFC to me seems much more obtainable moving forward. Now, part of that had to do with Joe Burrow being back next year uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals, and, you know, and, and Jim Harbaugh stepping in as the head coach of the Los Angeles chargers. But no, I think your point is, is absolutely accurate. And you think about uh, where the Buffalo bills were power rated as we headed closer and closer to the super bowl. And, Obviously, we all know they went off as, uh, as the favorite in that game. So it's fascinating to, to break this game down. I have not bet anything yet. My initial feel is the 49ers. Uh, John Ewing uh, earlier today from BetMGM said there are five times the number of bets on the Chiefs' money line versus the 49ers right now at BetMGM. And I, I think that's going to be probably what you hear the majority of the week. And, you know, remember, this is an event especially as we get closer and closer, Will, where the public has its say. Very rarely do they, but the public absolutely uh, will have their say. We've got some handle uh, percentages we'll get to as the show goes on. Mike Golick Jr. going to help us out, break down things. He'll be in town next week. But before we move anywhere further, uh, as we get deeper and deeper into college hoops, Will, and you are a big college hoop guy, the defending – circa challenge uh college basketball challenge champion knocking uh me and many others off uh well done by you uh easily. we got we got easily very easily right. I mean it's the gingerness in you it, you know one of we knew we knew a ginger I mean if you could have bet a ginger to win that contest it was like minus seven dollars um yeah. but we do like have the quarterbacks a, winning the MVP
4: obviously right?
3: <laughs> We do have a couple games coming up, bottom of the hour. So uh, with the guests coming up, we'll have our best bets normally in a normal spot at 630 Eastern. A couple games uh, coming up. I think I saw that you threw a play in here. Uh, I have a play uh, for 630. Uh, This is a spot where a couple of these I feel like I'm going to hate myself, Will. I've gone against Alabama a handful of times here, uh, and they have been just in fuego. Uh, I, I faded them over the weekend uh, and what was a bloodbath of a Saturday for me? Thankfully, we didn't have Vison primetime on Saturday because it would have been bad. Um, but I faded them over the weekend, thinking it would be a letdown spot, and they, you know, went into triple digits. But you know, I was listening to uh, our good friend Jim Root break down Alabama, and you look at some of their splits when they're on the road as opposed to home. This is a team that we know throws up a bajillion threes, right? Forty-three point eight percent is what they shoot at home in 11 games this year, Alabama from beyond the arc. When they are away from home, nine games, whether it be neutral or true road environment, they're shooting 33%, a difference of 10%. And then if you go even a notch further in their four true road games, Will, they're shooting under 30% from three. So I think a little regression comes for Alabama. Obviously, you're looking at a game with a massive total. So if you want to get in in in-game, there's going to be swings. And Alabama has the ability to erase deficits very, very quickly. Uh, But I'm going to take the 6.5, which is readily available with the Georgia Bulldogs. So that game's coming up at 6.30. I'll give out my bets for the other games tonight later in the hour. We've got three games, Northwestern, Purdue, St. John's, Xavier, Bama, Georgia, coming up at 6.30 Eastern, Will. Anything that you like in those three games uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour?
4: I'm with you. I took Georgia. I took six. I took a bad number. I thought maybe it would go the other way, and I did think we. I, I thought we saw some five and a half pop ups. It must have popped yeah. uh, up and just and gone even higher to six and a half. I agree with with Georgia for all the reasons you said. I like Baylor here tonight against UCF. I think UCF. Uh, I just I don't love their offense. There's some whispers that maybe uh, UCF's a little more banged up than people realize, and I like Purdue. I think Purdue rolls here against Northwestern. Northwestern's beaten them the last couple times in Northwestern. Purdue is a, a different team at home. Dominant team at home. They got the revenge off a loss. I think this is one. Purdue could be a bully. Purdue could be one of these teams, almost like the Miami Dolphins, where uh, when they beat you, they beat you by 25 or 30. So I, I could see a scenario where Purdue's up, you know, 15 points at the half, something like that. So I like Purdue here to uh, to lay the wood. I almost got there. Maybe I'll add St. John's. I like this Patino team. I mean, you can say what do you want. He bounces around, bounces around job to job. Uh, the off the court stuff that guy can coach they're finally I think buying in defensively that's going to be a dangerous team come March so I might be talking myself into the Johnnies here getting the two points All right, friendship play coming up bottom of the hour Georgia
3: catching six and a half against Alabama I've got a couple other ones Whew, they're doozies uh, we'll do that later on in the hour with our official best bet segment that's Will Hill I'm Tim Murray hanging out with you tonight here on v primetime Mike Golick Jr. he'll join us next right here on v the sports betting network.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
1: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening
0: This is v Primetime with Tim Murray on v
3: the Sports Betting Network. If you haven't already, check out the new v I mean, I'll be honest, my favorite story up right now is the official setting of the field of the second annual Circa Hoops Challenge, which of course will involve the defending champion, Will the Thrill Hill. Yours truly will be in it. Jim Root, our guy, will be in it. And a handful of other top-notch handicappers you can see the full breakdown of who is in Circa College Hoops Challenge starting this Friday night. vcin.com, one of the many stories we've got up there. You know what's funny, Will, is that so many people reach out to me and this is Humans thing, right? Humans has asked us to do it. You were the champ last year. And so many people are like, hey, you're going to do it again? You're you going to do it again? I'm like, yeah, I, I think so. I don't know. So uh, I'm excited to be back. We've got the defending champ uh, back ready to go. And uh, we'll see if uh, if he comes out in uh, in April. And you'll have uh, two Cabanas after winning one last year and uh, winning one this year. So we will be picking games starting this Friday on uh, on cin tonight so uh, looking forward to, uh, to being back in the contest this year uh, 10 handicappers Will Hill, myself, Jim Root in it uh, and uh, a lot of other notable names Adam Burke
4: a part of it uh, this year as Ooh. well it's funny you mention that about getting random questions that you don't have the answers to I get so many I, I, the last few weeks since we, we switched over from the app now you go to vson.com to listen so many people hey what's going on with the app hey how do I listen like, I don't know you think I know anything come on <laughs>
3: Uh, Will Hill with us tonight at not the Will Hill, and uh, make sure you check him on on out on uh, multiple fronts, including uh, our good friend Chris Felika's podcast Bear Bets and his own podcast Shoulda Bet More. Uh, so follow him on Twitter, and he'll point you in the direction. Some really good handicappers have been joining him there uh, on that uh, podcast. We'll get to our best bets for tonight, as we just talked about. Uh, two games coming up bottom of the hour. Uh, I mentioned this on Twitter today, and I actually want to get to the news uh, regarding the coaching change uh, from or the cho- coaching uh, vacancy filled, I should say, with Mike McDonald heading out uh, to the Pacific Northwest. But uh, real quickly, it's uh, two really unique, I would say, revenge spots tonight in college hoops. You mentioned one, Purdue, taking on Northwestern back on December 1st when Purdue was then unbeaten. They went to Evanston and lost to the Purple Cats in overtime. And then later in December, Notre Dame pulled a pretty stunning upset over Virginia, and Virginia hosts Notre Dame today. So I'll ask the question, who is most likely to cover uh, to Will in just a minute? But let's bring in our guest, Mike Golick Jr. You can catch him weekday mornings here on uh, the DK Network at on the Gojo and Golick Show, he and his, uh, his pops. Uh, so Mike joins us right now mike uh, looking forward to having you come out here to town next week um early thoughts on what we see right now i know you've had a couple days to digest the weekend and and the festivities chiefs right now once again in dog uh catching two total of 47 and a half so mike right now as you'll be out in vegas uh in less than a week what's your what's your gut tell you on uh, where to put your money
5: against the chiefs anymore, man. I've lost (laughs) too much money. I've lost too much pride. I've lost too much of my, my public perception based on picking against the team that uh, apparently as long as they've got Mahomes, everything else is just going to work itself out eventually. But I I think also there's a lot of football justification for it at this point. And maybe this was partially it for me, but I, I think Seeing the way that this Kansas City team has truly evolved its identity to match the defense and the quarterback this year, after so many weeks probing and will they, won't they, for the wide receiver room, the Chiefs just looked around and said, Well, we got a bunch of tight end bodies that we made do cool stuff last year. Most of those guys can batten down the hatches. Apparently, Travis Kelsey's going to find the fountain of youth during the postseason because that's just a normal thing that guys do when they start dating Taylor Swift. And then on top of that, this defense was going to keep going out there. And putting together, as Steve Spagnol Spagnu- always has, the best bespoke game plans in the sport. We saw that in all three rounds against very, or in all two rounds, I should say, against very different quarterbacks, but all to the same effect, which is frustrating people out of their normal course of action and allowing their offense opportunities to make plays. So Mahomes, the Chiefs, easy money for me.
4: Mike, if you were a Baltimore Ravens offensive lineman and you only ran the ball a handful of times, would that have annoyed you? Can you explain to me what that game plan was? I think people sort of gloss over just how strange that game plan was last week uh, with the Ravens not running the ball against the Chiefs. So it was very odd, and they were the number one
5: rushing offense in football all year. And to your point as an offensive lineman, it's a constant debate with the, you know, analytics community and all these things about the value of running the ball, especially as it pertains to play action there. And and however you want to slice it, it's easier to go forward and try and hit these big guys than it is to go backwards 50 times a game and give some of the best athletes in the world, the chance to tee off on you, especially one-on-one the way a lot of these different defenses structure it. That being said, I saw Nate Tyson does great job over at the athletic. Who's out in Vegas actually as well tweeting about this earlier. And when I went back and watched the game the other day, it kind of popped out pass plays all kind of worked like most of them were working until they got down in the red zone and either had a receiver reaching for the goal line or the quarterback, make a bad decision. Now I would argue, you give Lamar Jackson less of an opportunity to make a bad decision on a throw like that down when you've entered the red area. If you give him a few rushing chances in the middle, if you go and use his legs more than they did in this game in the design run game to try and give the defense something else to think about, especially with, as we've seen the chiefs running a lot lighter personnel on the field more often than not. So I think, we might be reaching a point where I think that might be a little bit overblown of a conversation piece. But from a personnel standpoint, and certainly from the offensive line standpoint, yeah, I'd rather run the ball a lot, especially with that guy playing quarterback.
3: Mike Golic Jr. joining us here on V prime Primetime. He'll be down here in Las Vegas. Gojo and Golic will be uh, live from Radio Row next week. Looking forward to that. Uh, Mike, from the defensive side of things, uh, the Chiefs. Just how good is this Chiefs defense? Because, look, when you have Patrick Mahomes, when you have Travis Kelsey, you've already won multiple Super Bowls. You've got arguably one of the best coaches ever to walk the face of the earth in Andy Reid from an offensive game plan standpoint. Everyone just gravitates toward that. And I think people are starting to recognize, wow, that defense is, that's really, really good. I mean, it's not crazy. I think it's accurate to say that the best unit this year for the Chiefs was their defense. So just how good... Is this defense
5: that Kansas city will have on the field next Sunday? Yeah. On their best day, they're a top five team in football. And I think it's always that match of coverage and pass rush up front. That for me is the place you start with a lot of this where, uh, yeah, you look with Jerry Sneed and what he's capable of doing on the back end playing like an all pro. Obviously you've got Chris Jones up front who didn't quite have the 15 and a half sack monster output. He had two years ago or last year, but still followed up this year with a double digit sack effort. And when you put him together with George Karloftis in his second year of development, who's flashed and made some plays. And when you get the kind of production out of their linebacker core, think about last weekend, they found out and announced that Willie Gay had a bit of a neck issue before kickoff, wasn't going to be able to play in that game. Drew Tranquil was the game of his life. He's been a productive player for them, but forced into duty more often. We saw the pass rush ability that a lot of these linebackers have the ability to get downhill and bother quarterbacks. But Also, with the way they wanted to play, getting smaller bodies on the field at time, they're all so versatile in the middle as chess pieces that it fits perfectly into a defense that wants to give you a lot of different fronts, a lot of different coverage looks. They're smart enough from the neck up and capable enough from the neck down to go out there and execute and give you a lot while then forcing you to be able to do very little. They're trying to use overwhelming them with all those formations, looks, and blitzes to simplify the opponent's game plan, and they've been incredibly successful doing it.
4: Yeah, to to further on that point, Mike uh, Spagnolo, it wasn't a good head st- uh, a good stint for him as a head coach, but he is elevating to self uh, potential Hall of Fame defensive coordinator. What he did with the Giants, what he did with the Chiefs, is it just X's and O's? Can you t- take us into like what makes him so tough and and what makes him you know so, so successful in this role? I think it's the same thing that makes the chiefs overall so successful is they're never
5: just any one thing. They can be whatever you need for that given moment. And that again, goes back to certainly having the talented players that we just ran down the Rolodex of. You've got to have guys that can execute. It's like the chiefs are on offense where, because you've got Travis Kelsey and that tight end room, because you've got sort of this group of wide receivers that all have individual skills that you can place in the right situations. And certainly a running back room led by a guy in Isaiah Pacheco, who's a great, capable, very hard running downhill run. But also can work in protection enough to get the job done there. They're versatile enough on both sides of the ball personnel wise, skill wise, to be able to get it done. And then they've got a coach who doesn't have an ego about the way he does things. So many coaches we've seen traditionally get themselves in trouble saying, we do things my way. We do things one way. It's all going to fit here. Spags is like, we'll do whatever the job needs this week. And I think that sort of egoless clarity from a coach combined with a bunch of talented players who are also smart enough to get it done allows you to go out there and accomplish a lot hey Mike breaking news uh you want to be the Boston
3: College coach Jeff is leaving to go to the Green Bay Packers so uh if you Ooh. want yeah if you if you want to go take over at Chestnut Hill they got an opening for you
5: decoordinator job for Jeff Hafley? yeah decoordinator he'll be the Packers decoordinator Man, I tell you what, chaos around the line of scrimmage when I think of Jeff Halfley. His best days at Ohio State beforehand, but at Boston College, bodies up around the line of scrimmage, a bunch of former first-round talent in that front seven. I'd be very excited about that if I was a Packers fan. Mike, always appreciate it, man. We'll see you next week in person. Can't wait. Thanks, guys. There he is,
3: Mike Golick Jr. Catch him and his pops. Gojo and Golick weekday mornings on the DraftKings Network. Yeah, interesting news. Boston College. They will be looking for a new head coach, Jeff Hafley, headed to the Green Bay Packers. That's Will Hill. I'm Tim Murray. Our best bets for tonight. They're up next.
0: This is V Prime Primetime with Tim Murray on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: Put the Beastin experts to work for you and start betting smarter with a BCN pro subscription sign up on a vsim pro annual subscription and get your first year for only 199 bucks just use the promo code prime get access to everything our brand new website has to offer including a breakdown of who's in the college hoops contest this year also daily best bets with a leaderboard and a cool little flame emoji betting splits betting systems premium analysis 24 7 video access and our upcoming Super Bowl betting guide, best bets, favorite prop bets. Remember to use the promo code Prime to get your first year of V-CIN Pro access for only 199 bucks. Sign up today, Vincen.com/slash subscribe. Alongside, thanks to the internet, Will Hill, my ginger brother over there in Connecticut. I am Tim Murray, live here at the Circus Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas. Thanks, as always, to Mike Golick Jr. for jumping on the program and. I wouldn't say it's earth-shattering breaking news, but some interesting news as Boston College football will be looking for another head coach as Jeff Hafley, after five seasons, four seasons uh, at the helm at Chestnut Hill, will be headed to the NFL. He was uh, once upon a time the D coordinator at Ohio State. Does have some NFL background? Tampa, Cleveland. And San Francisco as a defensive backs coach, and now he steps in uh, as Mike Golic said, uh, with some really unique talent there. I want to ask you the question, Will, before we get to our best bets, and uh, just to reiterate, we got two games coming up, actually three. Uh, both Will and I are on the dogs with the W, uh, Georgia Bulldogs catching six and a half at home. And did you end up laying it with Purdue? I did. Okay. I, I
4: laid, I laid it with Purdue, took it with Georgia, even took a little Georgia money line. Ooh, okay. We saw some big upsets last night in, in college. We saw South Carolina beat Tennessee, North Carolina finally got bitten. So uh, they were due for some three point variants to go against them too. opponents were shooting. I think 24% in ACC three uh, ACC play from three. I and mean, and that was not sustainable. So see if we can get some more upsets tonight. I, I like um, Florida to the markets move against me. That's another one. I got a bad number. I took six we're up to seven and a half. Uh, Kentucky plays Tennessee on Saturday. Um, I just I think that's a lot of points here, so should be fun. Get these games going soon. Uh, I know you have a question to ask me, but you have some breaking news. I have some breaking news too. This is a shocker. Ben Simmons tweaked his knee the other night against the Jazz. He is out. So the ever durable, the Iron Man of the NBA, Ben Simmons is out. I'm sure he'll be back very soon, though. Well, we've had
3: a lot of Iron Man news today with Cal Ripken being part of the new ownership group of the Baltimore Orioles. So. Some Cal Ripken news, some Ben Simmons news. When I think Cal Ripken, you know, first name that comes to mind certainly is uh, is, is Ben Simmons. Uh, he actually had a decent stat line the other night, right, in his uh, season debut. He's filling up the stat sheet a little bit. Uh, but, yes, he is, uh, he is out. Joel Embiid, if you're wondering, out tomorrow. We do get the return of Dame up in uh, the Pacific Northwest. It should be a nice uh, welcome video. Probably unlike what Ed Cooley felt in Providence. Probably a little more... Uh, A little more welcoming, uh, I would imagine, with uh, Dame returning to Portland as uh, Milwaukee lay in 10.5 in that one. But uh, the question I wanted to ask you was the question I asked earlier uh, this week. And uh, maybe I was trying to think of the poll question, Britt. Maybe, uh, Maybe this will be the poll question today. Which of the conference finalists would you... Most like to put a futures in on next year. Would it be the Lions at around I think twelve to one or so, or the Ravens at nine to one? And I think it's a you know with with Jeff Halfley heading to Green Bay, uh, he steps in uh, for the fired uh, Joe Barry, who was a terrible hire from the outset. But as Mike mentioned, you know Mike Gollage just mentioned there's a lot of talent on that de- defense there for Green Bay. A lot of excitement around Jordan Love. Uh, I agree with your sentiment. Earlier in the show that Green Bay was the better team out in the Bay Area. Uh, So this is a team that smoked the Cowboys, should have beat, you know, uh, the San Francisco 49ers, but Ben Johnson's returning. So of the two teams that got knocked out in their respective conference championship game, Baltimore, who just lost their defensive coordinator, and Detroit, who has kept their offensive coordinator,
4: who would you most like to put a futures bet on? Uh, it would have to be Detroit just because the path is easier. I mean, that's the frustrating thing, I and mean, we can have a, a reasonable uh, back and forth of who had the more painful loss on Sunday. On Your first, at least my first inclination, would be like, oh, it's definitely the Lions. They haven't been here forever. They're up 24 to 7, and I think that's the way I'd go, but Baltimore had more expectations. Like, Baltimore was the one seed. This is, like, they got a Burrow injury. They got a Watson injury. They got Rodgers hurt. They got the Chiefs. You'd think on like, a down year. That's a terrible loss, really, for both teams. I would go Detroit just because, they're built. They're well set up. They're they're built, you know, based on the draft from this year. Goff's going to be there. Campbell's going to be there. Now the OC is going to be there. I know the NFC North's getting better. Like, it looks like Green Bay's got their stuff together. It looks like they have a young core with the quarterback and the receivers. Uh, the Bears could be a juggernaut if they hit on the quarterback, assuming they trade Fields here. But it would still be the Lions just because less competition. I would say.
3: Yeah, and the Lions have a little better price sitting there, at twelve to one versus nine to one for the ravens all right a couple of our bets are already underway uh georgia leads four to nothing so let's uh just end the game there uh game over georgia wins and covers that that works for us uh and uh, purdue and northwestern underway purdue with a early five to three lead i've got two other games a little bit more off the radar here but uh, i'm i'm glad you're here will because i feel like you'll uh you'll respect them a little bit so Uh, Over the weekend, Richmond was taking on Dayton, both undefeated in the Atlantic 10. uh, And Richmond got a really big win, uh, beating Dayton, a top 25 team. And now uh, Richmond has to go on the road to the Bronx, take on Fordham, who's uh, after a 20-plus win season last year, certainly a little bit, bit disappointing. This is your ultimate sandwich spot where you just beat Dayton in a massive game at home. You've got your arch-rival VCU waiting in the wings. And now you've got a sleepy environment on the road against Fordham. And that number just seems too good to be true, right? You look at Richmond riding a 10-game winning streak here on the road at Fordham. Uh, There's a a 2.5 at Circa. Let's scoop that. We're going to take the Rams of Fordham plus the 2.5. If you want to go first half, I wouldn't uh, be opposed to that. And then I'm going to give you a real deep cut. We're going to go in the extra games, Will. Get ready oh for this one, baby. Oh, the, the, the number got, the, the 13 got scooped here, but we, we, still playable at 12. We're going to go with the Chicago State Cougars, baby, against Duquesne. Hang with me here real quick. I won't spend too much time on it, but Chicago State is an independent. They have a bizarre schedule right now where essentially they don't play Division I teams anymore because everyone's in conference play. So they've played like two random teams. They haven't played in 10 days. They're going to play Duquesne. Duquesne's in the Atlantic 10, and Duquesne's a decent program, 103 in Ken Palm, 11-8 on the year. So I went back and looked uh, at Chicago State, Will, and how they fare this month against Division I opponents. Kansas State, they were a 20-point underdog, lost by seven. Oklahoma State, they were a 19-and-a-half-point underdog, lost by 19. UTEP, 10.5-point underdog, lost by 5. Fairley Dickinson, 3-point underdog, won that game outright. Stetson, 10-point underdog, won that game outright. You look back at last year, they had a situation in January, very similar, where they played Stanford randomly in the middle of uh, January, and they lost that game by 7. I don't know how Duquesne cares at all about this spot. For Chicago State, this seems like their Super Bowl. Numerically, analytically, Duquesne would be the play. You know, Ken Palm has this 15. I think there's other sites that have it like 20. But I think situationally, this is huge for Chicago State. I think Duquesne just wants to get in and out. Let's get out of there. So uh, give me the Cougs, baby. Uh, Plus the 12 now was 13 just a little while ago. So there you go. My two plays in addition to Georgia. We're going Fordham plus two and a half in Chicago State. What else you got on your card tonight?
4: I think I covered everything I I mentioned. I like Baylor. I just, I don't love this, uh, this UCF team. I just don't know that they have a big 12 caliber offense. Um, Sounds like they might be banged up. A couple guys that are iffy tended to join here on Chicago state. That was an excellent handicap. Are you going money line Are you going to be that daring? You're just taking the 12. I mean, uh, I'm, I mean, by nature, I'm not a really uh,
3: adventurous person. So uh, I don't know. Maybe should we do it? Should we, should we just, just throw in a little money line, just close our eyes and see how it goes? Right now, crazy, you, I mean, you okay,
4: get 7-1 on the money line at Circa. Add me at 7-1. Uh, how about UConn? I mean, that, that line looks a little bit inflated, but I don't know. Like, I'm sure a lot of people are either watching football, getting ready for football the other day. What they did to Xavier on Sunday afternoon, I think they're still scoring. I mean, they beat a decent Xavier team by about 40, 50 points. Uh, I, I don't know that I want to step in front of this UConn team. I was thinking about laying the, the 13 or so. I know that's... High, uh, especially for a conference game, but that might not be high enough. I put together, and I almost, I almost never do this,
3: Will, but I put together, and I got to find the the ticket here, a money line parlay today, tonight, and tell me who, sh- tell me who blows up my money line parlay because it is all a lot of big favorites. Uh, it is Purdue, Virginia, UConn, New Mexico, and Saint Mary's. Who ruins this one for me? All of them are at home. All of them are double-digit favorites. Who ruins my money line parlay tonight? Could be your Fighting Irish, couldn't it? Nah, they already did it once. JPJ is, is a house of horrors for, uh, for the Irish. So uh, I would be surprised. Troy Murphy gets hot? Who knows? <laughs> Troy Murphy gets hot. Pat Garrity comes out of the rafters. Oh, my God. That's Pat Garrity's music. In primetime with Tim Murray on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58 DraftKings Sportsbook has got you covered. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code VSIN. New customers can bet five bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 at Code Again. B S I N, the crown is yours. Alongside, beauty of the internet, my guy Will Hill at Not the Will Hill, Ginger Power tonight. I am Tim Murray. We've got a handful of college hoop games underway on this Wednesday evening as uh, both Will and I are rolling with the dogs with the W. Georgia early lead on Alabama, 9 2. Purdue taking on Northwestern in a revenge spot. And uh, the feisty Purple Cats keeping it close so far, 14-12, to 12, 13 and change to go first half. So we will keep you posted on everything that's going on around college basketball this evening when the NBA card kicks off as well. We will head down to Mobile, site of the Senior Bowl, coming up top of the hour. Catch up with our good friend, former offensive coordinator, a number of spots, including Notre Dame. Mike Sanford, but right now we head across the pond and we bring in Rob Staten, who is uh, the man behind the Seattle uh, the Seahawks dot com. As uh, big news today out of the Pacific Northwest, as they have the white smoke coming out of the chimneys in Seattle. Mike McDonald is the man to go from seventy-two year old Pete Carroll to thirty-six year old Mike McDonald. Quite the uh, the changing of the guard, so to speak. Uh, Rob for Seattle at their head coaching position. As as this process went along, and Seattle, you know, I made jokes. I'm like, is Seattle interviewing anybody? You know, you, you heard about, oh, Atlanta's interviewed Belichick 33 times, and then, oh, they're Harbaugh. And it was very quiet until really this past couple of days. So what did you make of the process? And ultimately, what do you make of Seattle's decision to go grab a very hot commodity in Ravens defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald.
6: Well, when the news came out that Pete Carroll had essentially been fired, the the one thing I didn't want the Seahawks to do was just go and have a coronation, which was just go and find somebody, get the process done really quickly and just have one person in mind, unless they were going to go big game hunting and go after Jim Harbaugh or somebody like that. I wanted there to be a thorough process. And it seems like they've done that. They interviewed a number of people initially then they had some second interviews last week it seemed as if they wanted to wait to speak to ben johnson which they did on monday and then mike mcdonald on tuesday then ben johnson obviously pulled out of the race to to go to either washington or seattle on monday and from that point onwards it did seem as if mike mcdonald was the main target and then when we learned today that he was flying to seattle it was a foregone conclusion it's interesting you know that john schneider whose background is in green bay where they typically have offensive-minded head coaches. In his first hire as a GM, he's gone for a defensive guy. But everybody's saying that, that Mike McDonald is incredibly intriguing, that he's very highly rated, very well respected within the NFL. And it's a brave new era, and it's a bit of a youth movement for the Seahawks.
4: The way the Ravens dismantled uh, the Shanahan offense, do you think that factored into it? Hell, they even dismantled the Seahawks offense. Obviously, you got to go through the 49ers in that that division. Do you think that played into this decision at all? Maybe a little bit. I don't think you can make decisions
6: based necessarily on who you're going to play. And what we've got to remember about that game against the Niners, they had five turnovers, which is fantastic. They also gave up 400 yards. Christian McCaffrey ran for seven and a half yards. A carry had over 100 yards. They had 120 yards rushing game. So even though it's kind of, being a little bit misconstrued that that was a hammering that that they shut down Shanahan. And let's not forget, they played the Rams in Baltimore and they had 400 yards and should have won that game in Baltimore. So he didn't have the most amazing success against McShanahan, as we've started calling it in Seattle. Uh, but I think when you look at the bigger picture, everything that he achieved, the fact that the Ravens had the number one defense per DVOA, there's, there's a whole bunch of stats and records that the Ravens set. And also what we've got to remember here is this, the brand of football, isn't it? It's the tough, physical, fast brand of football. He's been mentored by the two harbor brothers. And I think that's important as well. It's not just, hey, let's try and bring the Ravens' defense to Seattle. It's almost let's try and lean into what has worked for the Harbors in, in Michigan and Baltimore in recent years. And the Seahawks want to do that. They want to be a bullying football team. They want to beat you up. They haven't done that for 10 years. I think with this appointment, they're hoping to get back to that.
3: We're talking to our good friend Rob Staten, SeahawksDraftBlog.com, and we'll certainly be picking Rob's uh, brain quite a bit as we get into that beautiful season that is draft season. Uh, But right now, the Seattle Seahawks on the mind as they have decided to go with Mike McDonald, defensive coordinator from Baltimore, as our new head coach. Uh, Before I, I venture into what's next from the offensive side of things, because that's always the question for fans is, okay, great, we hired a defensive coach. What do we do at offense Are you surprised, Rob, that they did not go the route of Dan Quinn? Because when Pete Carroll was fired or reassigned, however you want to put it, it it was the common thought of, it's going to be Dan Quinn. He led the Legion of Boom. He's got head coaching experience. Are you surprised that ultimately the Seahawks did not bring back
6: Dan Quinn to be their head coach? I wouldn't necessarily say I'm surprised, but um, there were a few moments during this process where you kind of thought this is heading towards Dan Quinn, and he's very well respected in Seattle. They think the world of Dan Quinn, and I think most people in the NFL have got a really good opinion of of Dan Quinn. But it would have been a hard sell. You know, the way that that Green Bay game finished in the playoffs – the fact that when you look at his record, his successes seem to have been connected, for example, to having Micah Parsons in Dallas, to having the Legion of Boom in Seattle, to having Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta. And when he lost Shanahan in Atlanta, I think he went something like 24 and 29 after that. So, you know, it would have been a hard sell, I think, to bring him in. Who was he going to bring in as his offensive coordinator? There was a bit of talk that he was going to bring Chip Kelly in as his offensive coordinator. I think that would have been a hard sell to Seahawks fans, you know, to say that he's going to come in and lead the offense, whether that would have been true or not, who knows. I just think that the Seahawks wanted something a bit different. They didn't want anything necessarily connected to Pete Carroll. They wanted to go with new, with young, with something that was going to excite the fans. And I think this will do that. You know, the Seahawks fans are are very much in favor of the Mike McDonald hire. I think it would have been an incredibly mixed reception if Dan Quinn had had come in. And I think they just want to go in a different direction.
4: Where do Seahawks fans stand with Geno Smith? Because he's a good player. It's hard to find decent quarterback play in the NFL, but it's hard to see him winning a Super Bowl. Do Seahawks fans want the quarterback of the future? What are your thoughts here on the quarterback position?
6: That's a great question because he, I think it's five days after the Super Bowl, they've got to make a decision on whether they're going to move on or not because he's he's guaranteed money after that. So that date's coming around the corner. I think if they'd have appointed someone like Mike Kafka, To be the head coach, it would have been an indication that they're probably just going to cut him, as painful as that might have been, and draft a quarterback. With the fact they've gone with a defensive-minded guy, what I think they're probably going to do is try and rework that contract to lower his cap hit, which is three times what it was in the 2023 season, and keep him. But he is a bridge quarterback. They are going to have to draft one. The impression that I get is John Schneider is itching to draft a quarterback. So whether that's this year or next year... I think it's very likely that the Seahawks are going to be in the quarterback market. They want a younger guy. They want to develop somebody. So Geno Smith is a good short-term option. But as you say, he's probably not going to win you a Super Bowl. John Schneider has been waiting a long time to draft a quarterback, and now he's got the keys to the franchise. He will be doing that sooner rather than later. Rob Staten
3: joining us here. Mike McDonald, the new head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Only one vacancy left. The Washington Commanders, who very well likely could be the landing spot for Dan Quinn if uh, the rumors are true here what do you expect uh, Rob before we let you run for Mike McDonald to do from the offensive coordinator position which obviously we all know when you hire a defensive guy that OC position is is quite
6: important it's incredibly important it's going to define probably how much success he has in Seattle he's got to get this right you know, there's a bit of talk that can he convince mike kafka who almost got the head coaching job to to get out of new york and maybe take the job in seattle it's been a bit toxic with the giants Can they bring him over? That's an option. I think there's a lot of respect for him in the building and certainly a lot of respect for Andy Reid with John Schneider. And Andy Reid's been talking Kafka up. If not him, where do they go? It seems like everybody wants out of college football at the moment. Is there somebody in college (laughs) that they can go and get? Because it's a nightmare with the NIL. They keep recruiting, having to recruit their own players. Do they go and get somebody from there? You know, Tanner Engstrom's doing the rounds. He's the passing game coordinator in Detroit. If you can't get Ben Johnson, can you get his right-hand man? Do they go to the Rams and the Niners, Clint Kubiak, Jake Peets, Nick Cayley, to try and get an offensive coordinator? Either way, they've got to get somebody who can run this offense, get the best out of people like DK Metcalf, and drive this thing forward. That offense was not good enough last year. Terrible in the red zone. Not good enough on third down. Too streaky. No running game. That is going to be a huge question.
3: Rob, I didn't leave you much time, but Super Bowl
6: 58, who you got? I'm going to take the Niners just because I want to jinx them. Because <laughs> I want the Chiefs to win. So I'm going to go for a 30 points to 7 win for the Niners. Go Chiefs.
3: Rob, great stuff, man. We appreciate it. We'll be knocking on your uh, on your door come draft time. That's Will Hill. I'm Tim Murray. Got a lot to get to, including the latest from Mobile, Alabama, we go to the Senior Bowl. Next, right here on v Prime Primetime.
0: At bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.